0: <laughs> 4 7 two, one left intercept the final <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: 3.0. I am Dan. This is episode number 44, I believe. I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, Dan, you got it right this time. I can Both count. Pers- Both <laughs> parts. That's because I'm a broadcast professional, Rob.
2: Uh, professional.
1: Professional. Well, it's a, it's kind of a limited cast tonight, if you will. There's only three of us here. Yes, yeah, the three amigos. Devin is Devin. He's who knows what he's doing. He's working a street corner somewhere in Indiana, or is it no? I think that's what he's doing. Yeah,
2: he missed the bus home.
1: And Scott, he's whining about a storm. I don't know. I don't know. Is it like? What, did it rain in in North Carolina? Is what's going on down there?
2: Did they get sprinkled?
1: <laughs> sprinkled. So it was just me, <laughs> Nick, and Rob. What's up, guys? What's up? You guys do anything fun this week?
2: Yeah. I was, yeah, I bet you did. Besides leak all over the place, like it sounds like you
1: did, Dan. Yeah. yeah, that's all I've been doing is recovering from a trip to the Outer Banks by being sick all week. Ugh. Sick
2: is never fun.
1: Just blowing snot everywhere, like nonstop. It's like, if I could sell this Ugh. shit, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah,
2: just gallons of
1: it. That's paper snot. Right? You can't
2: blow it one, that one Kleenex doesn't do the trick. You need like, oh. yeah, you need the ShamWow on your face.
1: You <laughs> need to carry around a terry cloth.
2: Yep. yep. <laughs> but. One, one of those like uh the booger getters that the uh, moms carry around to suck the snot out of their baby's <laughs> nose just, <laughs> and just squirt that shit out that's a good idea <laughs> in a meeting when nobody's looking just lean over you're like <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it's been that bad i um elaine's been super sick she's been coughing i haven't really had the cough but Of course, we took her dad to the Outer Banks as well, and um, he got sick. So now he's fighting, they think, pneumonia. Oh, sucky. Uh. Yeah. I mean, that's. they finally went to the doctor today just because it's been dragging on so long. I don't know. They just gave him some, uh, well, just what doctors do these days. Here's some antibiotics. Let's not run any diagnostics or, you know look for in, you know any infection in the blood work or anything like that let's just assume and treat yeah. I don't know he's, he's doing alright but um, no no helicopter shit I just couldn't do it it's like um, got home Monday night late you guys were I thought about dropping in but I was so fucking tired got home went to work and now I'm back to full time like this last week was my like first full time well, other than I didn't work Monday, right? But, so this is my first full week back, and and it's just it's it's exhausting to me, <laughs> being sick and trying to get back to work. I tell you, yeah. man, it's bad timing. Could not get any helicopter shit in, but uh, here we are. So
2: yeah, well, what do you do, man? You got to get your ass kicked sooner or later. Hopefully, it'll yeah. uh, you'll get used to it again, and it'll all go. You know, the workflow. You know,
1: I, yeah, I don't think it'll be so. I don't think it'll be so bad. If I can get over this fucking cold, this. Yeah. cold,
2: Yeah. I you think that'll like make pointy. shit a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well,
1: but, uh, how about you, Rob? You do anything fun and exciting?
2: Uh, I don't know. something I did some stuff, I guess. I mean, I got some parts. I ordered some parts, um, from a heli erect for my, uh, five seventy. <laughs> they showed up today, actually earlier today. So tonight, you know, probably after the show, like while I'm working, I'm going to do the servo horns and redo the swashplate and line up the servos and shit. And then put these blades on. I, I picked up a set of RotorTech 560 millimeter. And I know this takes 570. And the last blades I had were 570. So I don't know. We're going to see what happens with these. But they were cheap. So I bought them. It's what I can yeah. afford at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully this fucker will be airworthy by tomorrow. And uh, hopefully I don't crash it tomorrow afternoon uh, (laughs) (laughs) trying to refly this fucking thing. So um, sussing out the tail. I was looking at the tail, and I'm seeing some. there's some cracks, I think, that are just in the paint on the tail. I don't know. Um, So when I fly it, I'm just going to pay particular attention to the tail just in case. But I have this carbon fiber tail boom that James uh, put in the package, too um so part of these little fiddly bits I bought some of those little white bolts and put it so I've got those like so if this tail is actually cracked or something like I don't I don't know if it's cracked or if it's just a paint but if it is cracked I can throw the other one on there so that's kind of sweet but uh yeah so then I'll have all the birds back in the air um I flew the T-Rex 600 I got it out once uh this week and flew it the tail is still just uh it's Mushy as fuck. It's all fucked up. I don't know what's wrong with you it. You need some got,
1: carbon fiber blades for that thing is what you need.
2: Yeah, it is. I, I'm sitting here trying to make these KBDDs work, but I just got to go buy some 600-class carbon fiber blade. I don't have any on hand here. so um, Yeah, because I turned up the gain some, and um, I adjusted some of the dials on the beast stacks There's one that to try to make the stops a little harder, but it seems like it just blows past them, Um last week I talked about this. I think it was last week. I talked about this maneuver that I can kind of do where it's like a tick tock. And then you do out of the top of the tick tock, you lean, you pop it over and do like almost a whole pyro flip, almost like three fourths of a pyro flip. And you end up vertical and you just continue to tick tock again. I can do it. Um, When I go up and I do it rudder left, I can get it all done. But with these blades on, if I do that trick, and I try to, you know, I come back over uh, on my TikTok and I try and pop it over to do like the front flip part of the pyro flip, And if I try and pull right rudder on that, it just blows out. I get stuck upside down like, like 130 degrees off from where I wanted to be, you know. So, yeah, I definitely got to get some better blades on the back, I think. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I always liked KBDD dude.
1: I don't. are well, we this, all used to fly back in the day, dude. I don't know. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just, everything has just so much power these days. Maybe it's just could back be. in the day it was, it could hang, you know, I have this, <laughs> I don't have any fly bar helis going, right. But I have this bag of, uh, KBDD paddles. I've got like, <laughs> must be like 10 sets of these fucking things. It was some, uh, I think it was when ready. Helly was going out of business, and they had their clearance section going, no, it wasn't ready. Hell, it was before that it was some other place, but they were selling a bunch of shit for clearance and these paddles were like a dime a set. And so I'm like, fuck it. I'm buying like 20, I bought like 15, 20 sets of them just to have, <laughs> uh, cause back then there, you know, fly bar list wasn't very big. And I'm like, well, I, you don't go through paddles really that fast, but whatever. I'll have a whole bunch. Maybe I'll, I don't know, give them away or something. So now I have this giant bag of <laughs> obsolete helicopter parts. <laughs> Do you have like the
1: neon green and pink? Yes, they're all neon, yeah, yeah. bright, bright ass neon green. Yeah. Well, what yeah. I remembered about those paddles is um, there's no set screw in them, right? Um, no, you just screw them in. You yeah. just screw them in, and then some guys would put a little dab of CA in there just to kind of have them hold.
2: Yeah, for like, do like an eighth of a turn at the end just to kind of yeah. get it to wick in there. Yep. Yeah. I remember that shit. And I remember when I first tried them and without the set screw, I'm like, there's no way these are going to stay. And everybody's like, trust me, bro. They'll hold on to that. The plastic, it'll hold. And they did. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. And I was like, sweet.
1: Okay. So anyway, that's nuts. It's crazy the, how things have changed in the hobby. Yeah,
2: they have. And it's, and it's weird. Cause only until I put these and they're brand new, uh, same length, uh, blades as those carbon fiber ones, the cord is, I think, but to be fair, the cord is probably like a millimeter, maybe two millimeters thinner, right? But still, just because they're plastic, they just are... I'm sure in the air, they're just giving... Kind of just flexing a little bit, you know? So, they're just blowing out. It sucks. So, I'm down to just kind of just sport flying the thing. I can't do really too many... Well, I guess I can't do a shit ton of right rudder hard maneuvers, I should say, you know? Uh, but still, I don't know. I, I think I'm at the edge of what I can tune on that. Um at this point so yeah like you're saying just throwing some carbon fibers will get the job done i just ain't got around to buying them yet it's been a fun adventure though yeah. on that thing i guess um what else did i do for flying um i took the oxy two out and did some just some circuits out in the backyard um some kind of mid-height uh mild 3d stuff in the backyard just just keeping the thumbs warm you know what i'm saying um and then your average, you know, hour or so, half hour to hour of sim time each day or so. Um, I don't know, man. I still am at this. We talked about this last couple episodes. I'm still at this place. I feel like I've got myself mentally trained into like a a dead end or like a cul-de-sac that I got to figure out how to turn around because I have like, there are certain tricks that I can do that I'm like, oh, that's pretty neat. That's a pretty advanced trick. But I can't do um, like a tail down hurricane to save my life. I can't make a nice clean round hurricane. You know what I mean? Or uh, or I can't do a fast circuit, just a forward flight circuit and make it a rough circle that stays at the same altitude. I can't do some of those, you know, just just barely past basic stuff, you know? And I just got to.
1: You got to get back to the basics, man. I
2: do it right and so i gotta stop like I'm, i'm that guy that you know we warned not to do that but i I Mm -hmm. find myself sometimes falling into the where i'm doing some of the boring stuff and i'm like oh fuck this and you go fly up higher and take off and go do some other shit you know i just got to stay down there for like just all the packs that day i just got to do just that stuff for a couple of sessions you know and back out of that cul-de-sac i got myself
1: in dan (laughs) it sucks I, um, I, I, something, I, I don't know why I remembered this, but actually, um, one thing we did do while we were down in the Outer Banks and, um, I figured Nick would be especially proud of this. Um, we went and we drank, uh, boxed wine out of red solo cups. yeah (laughs) Uh Classy boxed wine that we bought at dollar general.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we like we were
1: sitting there like, yeah, Nick would like some of this wine. I bet nice. he would. Dude, I'm not, that's too not proud even wine wine. I hmm, did, yeah. I you know I don't think we it wasn't that bad. I mean, I'm not a big wine drinker, right? So I don't I don't know how to tell good wine from bad, but I don't know. It was it was all right. I, you know, I I'm not a I don't know, I'd rather had a beer. <laughs> but I, um, couldn't help it. I, well, I listened to last week's show because I edited it and I'm curious. You really kind of had a thing for my shirt. Do you want me to get you one of those? Uh, And I think I'll pass. Mm. Thanks though. Dude, that's Uh, a fucking fantastic. You know where I got that shirt, right? I got that in the Great (laughs) Smoky Mountains. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Dude, I like that shirt. That shirt was cool.
1: Yeah, right? I got another one. Um, I was going to try to get a picture of it of me in it tonight so I could share it with you guys, but I'm going to save it. And I'm sure Nick, you're going to love this shirt just as much.
3: I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be great,
1: but soon, <laughs> soon we'll get a picture of it. I want to wear it at a fun fly. i I was going to wear it at the, uh, the one that the guys just had out here in New Jersey. Uh, <clears throat> but I ended up going to a different location instead of that fun fly. But, I was going to wear it there, but we didn't go there. So It must be worn at the next there. one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Rob, so, I see your. Uh, you want to talk about uh, Urcha and your plans there? Or you're, yeah. You're not... Wah, wah, wah. It doesn't work so, out sometimes, man.
2: Yeah, dude. Okay. So I started planning Urcha. So anyway, for the listeners, I was super excited to go to Urcha, but it's just not going to be in the cards this year. I'm realizing that I'm, I'm woefully unprepared for that kind of heli excursion. And for me to actually do it in a way that I would have fun and not feel mm, like stressed or like I have to either put Urcha at second fiddle or some other thing at second fiddle, not to mention how much it'll cost for me to get down all the way down there and and do this. We were going to go to Urcha and then go to St. Louis and then come back up. But you know, it's just a lot more than my finances can handle. Some of my budget has changed here uh, as of late since after I decided to go to Urcha. So now I got to retool my thinking and our vacation is going to be, we'll probably stay in the States. I mean, we've got a metropolitan area here at the Twin Cities and they got a lot of fun things down there. So we're going to go down there and there's a few um, sites that we're going to go see and maybe go to an amusement park, do something else. But I'm just not going to be able to make it to Urcha this year. It sucks, but uh, I'm just going to start planning continue what I'm doing for planning and just plan ahead for next year.
1: You kind of jumped on it. I mean, it, it it was, look, thanks some planning, right? Just take, yeah, it does, man. Really expensive trip.
2: As soon as I started planning, I was like, Oh shit. Well now, I, how about this? And how about that? And how about this? And the list got yeah, longer know, right? and longer. And, you know, and I think that, I think the thing that sold the deal was I saw a picture of somebody that was, um, they were out at a fun fly fixing, their heli they were working on their heli but they were inside an rv that was parked with the sides extended out sitting at the table nice and comfortable in the air conditioning just doing their thing and relaxed about the situation and then when they're done of course you extrapolate that they just take the heli back out and they walk across the way and go fly i wasn't like woefully unprepared to have an experience anywhere close to that you know um and that's the one that's the kind that i want to have so many people talk about rvs you know we You know, if you plan ahead, you get with some people, rent an RV, or if you, you know, if I plan ahead, I'll have enough money to just get an RV for myself and my family, maybe some other, one other group or something, and find some other people that are going to be doing it, plan enough, plan ahead enough to get an electric hookup if I can, you know, and just do it right, Um, and this year is not the way, not, not, I wouldn't be doing it right this year, I'd basically be just like, winging it, you know, and it's, I can't, I, I just can't do it, so anyway, That's going to free up a little bit of money for me to do some quality of life stuff around the house, still have a vacation, and still actually be able to um, have some semblance of, like, maintenance on the heli hobby. Because all of this would have hinged on me not spending any money around the house, not buying any heli parts, uh, expecting that nothing would happen to the vehicle at all. And then all the other money that I would save would have been for Urcha. And that's just, that's That's kind of way too thin for the win, you know?
1: So, no. Nope. Well, I, um, uh, this year we're not going cause we have other plans, but the next year we're probably going to be taking, we're probably going to be driving out to Urcha. Yeah. There.
2: Yeah. Word. See, you so they still, can
1: come stay with us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to hook up and then we can park together, RV together and fly together, <laughs> dodge <laughs> helicopters together.
1: Yeah. So Nick, what have you been up to, man? Did you do anything fun last weekend?
3: I sure did.
1: Uh-oh.
3: Yay! Last week was all about the Dragonfly fun fly in uh oh, yeah. East Bend, North Carolina. And it was
1: awesome. I tried to talk my wife into just staying down there for the week, but <laughs> she wasn't having that.
3: Yeah. We were giving <laughs> you a hard time about that. We're like, come on, Outer Banks isn't that far. It's like five or six hours, but
1: it's not too bad.
3: Uh but yeah. It was Fantastic fun fly. We'll talk a little bit more about it when we dig into it. But uh, yeah, the rest of my week was really just about getting ready for Dragonfly. I mean, we record on Mondays and Tuesday I was just all about packing the car. And, you know, it's funny, there was a lot of folks talking about the weather, right? Because the forecast had, you know, kind of a typical summer forecast for the southeast, which is, you know, there was rain in the forecast at some percentage every day, which is normal around here. It doesn't mean it's going to rain all day long. You know, it might mean a summer thunder shower for an hour or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, that scared a bunch of folks off, which is too bad because the weather turned out amazing. Uh, But because of that, I was like, well, I'm going to bring the Nitro kit, which even though I said I was going to start on Tuesday, I hadn't. So at this point, it was still a brand new kit in the box. Mm -hmm. And so I threw it in the car and I threw all my building stuff in the car. And then the rest we'll talk about uh, when we get into it. Fantastic! All the shenanigans,
1: yeah, yeah. Great. I saw, I saw some YouTube videos. Looking forward to hearing about some of them. But before we do that, maybe we should do a little bit of news. Do you have any news this week? Yeah, hey, we got a little news. Hey, hey, you got any of that news? Can me hook me up with some of that
2: news? <laughs> uh, I'll get you back next week.
1: That sounded a little too real, Rob. A little
3: too real. <laughs> right? I, I need a bed. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know where Rob's funds went.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, hush, shush.
3: I hate to start the news out this way, I really do, but... That's right, it's another update from Mikado. This one is honestly pretty surprising and somewhat concerning, but uh, I'm gonna read it verbatim and I'll let you all make up your own minds and we'll talk about it a little bit, but uh, here we go. So, quote, this is Mikado uh, in the VBar control group. We've had a few reports from customers that single parameters seem to have changed without intention. We cannot reproduce this, so we cannot say what the cause is. Just to be extra sure that this cannot happen from an error of the flash memory, we increase the consistency check intensity to catch every theoretical possible memory error. If this happens, the log file will show an entry and the wrong data will not be used. We, meaning Mikado, recommend doing the update in any case to be sure it cannot happen. There are no other changes in this update. So let's talk about what this means. So one of the folks that uh, this update was based around uh, got in contact with me privately, and it turns out what happened in his case was that after flying his model, running an Evo uh, with an Evo Touch, uh, I'd been flying it several times without any issue, the model was flying very well. Uh, His next flight, he takes the heli up and it starts shuddering in a hover as soon as he takes off. So clearly very bad behavior right out of the gate. So he immediately, you know, hits hold and, and lands. Uh, In the log file, it said something to the effect of, and this may not be exactly what it said, but quote, no cyclic servo defined. So on on closer inspection and looking at the model setup menu in the Neo, which is where you would say I'm running cyclic servos. They are 760 pulse or 1520 at this refresh rate, etc. No cyclic servo had been selected even though he had definitely chosen one. So it had gone back to the fact that there was nothing to find. So the servos were wigging out at whatever frequency and refresh rate was going on. Uh, And once he reselected that, they were back to fine. Uh, But not only that, on top of that, his agility, which he always runs at a very specific number, had increased by 70 points to something like 190. Holy crap. Wow. All on its own, you know, not to any of his... uh, use, And, you know, this particular person has, has been one of the beta testers working on check- testing uh, the hot glue fix and whatnot. So, you know, honestly, it's very concerning, right? Anytime the radio does something by itself, uh, it's, it's troublesome. Um, you know, the fact it's happened to, in Mikado's words, a few people uh, is a little concerning. So far, it doesn't seem to be widespread, and it's possible Mikado has fixed it with this update. But even Mikado says they don't quite know the cause. So they're guessing, and they put this update in place because of the theoretical thing they think could cause it, you know, a memory error they have protected you against now. So definitely go ahead and do this update. Um, You know, we're just going to have to keep fighting our way through the growing pains of, of this new FBL. So,
1: So, you know, this is where it starts. You know this, right? This is where the takeover starts. The machine takeover.
3: No, this is Skynet. (laughs) This is where
1: it all begins. It starts here with our hobby. Two years yeah. from now, the semi trucks will be driving up and down the roads by themselves, killing people whenever they see humans.
3: Oh no! <laughs> you know, I really thought it was going to come through AI, but you might be right. It might be through flybarless systems.
1: <laughs> They're right.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that
0: code's <laughs> going to get out and
3: start changing shit everywhere. <laughs> I want. I really, really want to see a win for Mikado. Not just personally, because I fly the system, but you know, every week it feels like we have a new little like ha. Huh, Here's another hiccup. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to And I, th- I, I think we will. I'm very confident that they're going to turn this all around. Uh, but, you know, it's it. they're not introducing confidence into the market right now. So no. people are, are very timid. Yeah. The folks I talked to with the fun fly about it were all like, yeah, I'm going to wait and kind of let this thing work itself out. So we'll see what happens. I certainly wish the best for Mikado. But, uh, you know, a few consecutive weeks of weird news like this is is not good. Yeah this kind of stuff is the gamble of the, the
2: prepay to play kind of thing. You know, like if you look at this whole thing from a like a five mile up view, you know, it, it started with here's the new fun thing coming pre-order Now people did that. And then people got impatient and then it got released and now it's got bugs. Like which part of that process maybe could have helped alleviate some of this. I feel like, And I'm, I don't know, I, it's human nature, right? You pay money for something and you're like, well, where's my thing? You know what I'm saying? Uh, You keep talking about this thing, I want my thing. And so perhaps there was some pressure there related to that, that caused Mikado to choose a release date that they chose for that. You know what I mean? I I guess if if you understand where I'm going here, I'm not saying it's the people's fault or Mikado's fault. It's just the whole process, the way it happened front to back. We're in a place now where, you got to kind of hold on tight for confidence, you know what I'm saying? But at this point, the way the markets are built, there almost isn't any other way to have got this product out here um, for a Mercado to have afforded to do it, you know?
3: I don't yeah, know. you know, this is another thing I've had some conversations about with different folks is what is the way to properly test a fly barless, You know, how do you beta test it, right? So you do your initial testing and release, and that's kind of in a, in a bubble, not release, but your initial testing. Right that's in in a you know company internal bubble, maybe you bring one or two you know pro pilots in into the mix at that point, but you know at every point there's sort of a wider beta release where you you let it out to a few more individuals and I feel like with fiberbroless systems, that beta release needs to have several phases, and one of those phases needs to include everyday modelers with shitty collective management and
1: models and that may good. not
3: be built perfectly yeah yep. like and then see what happens, right? Because that's the reality of the hobby, right? That's what encompasses it. And then, you know, get that feedback back. But but yeah, I mean, this, this beta situation needs to include a wider group of users, wider group of helis built with varying skills, and then see what happens. And I do think, and to an extent, I've heard some quiet rumors that uh, JR and Spirit are watching this very closely because they well, both sure. have flybarless releases on the horizon right now. Yeah, yeah. And, I know, you know, Nick Maxwell talked about wanting to head for an nurture release with the JR system. I won't be shocked if if we see, you know, maybe a few pilots flying at Urcha, nurture, but they say that they're, you know, want to finish the testing properly. Um, and we don't see it released right away. Same for Spirit. I bet we'll see some demo units, but I don't know that they'll be for sale. Uh, I think they all want to make sure that they, as mu- best as possible, avoid these hiccups. The other problem, though, is they're such a small hobby, right? And the longer you wait, the longer the beta test period, the longer your initial financial investment in developing the product is not reimbursed. Yeah. And yeah. as a small hobby with a small market, you can only afford to do that for so long. So, you know, that's why we have to be a little more understanding of these situations because we're, we're not selling millions of units. We're selling hundreds of units.
2: I suppose the other thing you got to think about, too, that nobody's really talked about right now is part of testing is you find a thing that doesn't work right, that causes the heli to crash. And now you got to replace the heli too. And that's a financial input that needs to happen somewhere. Right. Um, And who knows how many helis are destroyed in the process of testing these things. Probably not a shitload, you know what I mean? But you know, one $2,200, $700 class heli, you know, that's, you know, that's one and a half units worth of, you know, you're trying to test a a controller and that fly unit, like a Mikado or something like that, you know, so that could eat into your bottom line as well, I guess. So hence the B grade regular Joe pilots. You're not going to see a shitload of units going out to those folks. Cause I mean, shit, I, I, I would say right now, I would be happy to be, you know, like the, the B or C list, you know, unit tester for somebody, but what'll happen is I'll test it. And if I crash, it's going to take me a while to be able to afford to rebuild my heli, unless that company's doing the rebuilds too, which I'm sure they wouldn't want to do. So you can see how that extra layer becomes a kind of a dicey proposition. That's kind of a gamble, but I don't know. That's a worst case, I guess would be, you know, hand handed out some pe- people that crashed their helis and now they can't fly your, your unit that you've got. I guess, what would you do? Ship it off to the next guy, you know, and have them try some more stuff. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know. But- so there's one other thought too, and I don't, I, I, this just popped into my mind, so it may not be very well thought out, but I'm wondering I feel like flybarless units have been around long enough that basic or decent decent flight characteristics for a helicopter, those algorithms should be well developed at this point in time. Right? So I don't feel like is it the is it the added unnecessary features that are causing these algorithms to to not to not. Do you guys see what I'm saying? It's like, is it overbuilt? They, is it, yeah, is it overbuilt, overthought, overengineered? Are they getting too far past just giving you a controller that you know? And they're they're more concerned and you know, it's look the the Mikado stuff is its own ecosystem, right? It's kind of like the, the Apple, right? So I get you know they've got to have their features, and I'm just wondering if their features are kind of creeping into the overall product and, and causing issues that maybe if it were maybe a little simpler wouldn't be causing the issues that we're seeing today. and I, and I don't know if that's the case. I do, I do know that I, I mean I don't know, I don't know for a fact, but I do I feel like those algorithms that have been in development, you know for the 10 years fly barless units have been flown or roughly that that long are pretty well developed by this time kind of across the board for everybody. Right.
2: Yeah. Those core pieces. So what's causing
1: the issues in, in, in these newer systems. Right. And it's just, it's gotta be the, the, uh, features that are there, you know, that the, the features that they're adding to distinguish or separate themselves from competitors.
2: Yeah. Like the Uh, layer two loop handling control loop handling kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah I think I, it's also
3: I'm, potentially hardware sure. related too, right like sure, sure slower chips or whatnot are just not available anymore, so you have to move to the, the newer chip in order to ensure that you can make the thing for the next five years mm. or ten years. so you right. know we move to faster hardware out of necessity, and you know we learn some lessons about what happens when you do that. I mean, I'm spitballing, but well, I think and that's true is, too- is part of this picture as well.
1: And one thing that we ran into at Skyfish when we when we finally finished a uh, some type of electronic component that we were building that had spec'd out X, you know, different types of chips and whatnot. When you can't get that chip anymore and you've got to move to a different chip, you've got to pretty much start over, right? You got to start over and then you got to hope that your supplier is not selling you duds because that shit happens too. I mean, you get chip, chips that come in that just simply don't work right from the get-go, but uh, just kind of messes with your quality control. But anyway, you know, just some food for thought. No idea, obviously, because we're not in the boardroom. <laughs> we don't get to we don't get to hear the nitty-gritty details.
3: Yeah, so interesting stuff. Definitely keeping an eye on it, um, and we'll see where it goes. Again, mm-hmm. I hope uh, I hope it all gets worked out.
2: What if it's some? What if it's some weird touch screen glitch where there's like dust or oil on the screen, and when you're not looking, at things just going bleep 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 bleep, blipping into settings and out of settings, and you don't realize it.
3: I don't know. Those settings are deep, dude. It's like you know seven presses deep kind of stuff to get to those. Oh, really? Okay. For some of them, certainly cyclic servos is many presses deep to get that far.
2: Sure. Yeah. That's a spooky error to have a, just a random reset. I hope they get that fixed sooner than later.
3: They yeah. will.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure and will. again,
3: it's happened to three people right now, um, we think. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, let's move into some other stuff here. Um, kind of some quicker news hits here. Uh, so Matt Botos, as we mentioned before, is working on a new pipe for the OS 105. That's the Protune 105 V2. And uh, it's now in stock and available for order. So if you're looking for a new pipe for your OS 105, you can go ahead and check those out. They're selling for $259.99 US. So for 260 bucks, you can check out uh, Matt Botus's new pipe. Other news, to emphasize how much I like making fun of everyone out here, I want to call attention to an ad for the Goose Guy Venom that HeliDirect released last week. In this particular ad, it's meant as if the helicopter is talking about itself. And the ad goes on to say, "quote, I'm Venom, and this is just a reminder to you guys not to forget to pre-order me because I will be shipped ASAP. And my brothers, meaning the rest of the Goose Guy line, are also available. Uh, that's weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, who came up with that one? Is I don't anybody know, Sean? But,
3: but I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Uh, no, I don't think so. But, uh. <laughs> Gotta make fun of that a little bit. Like helicopters talking about themselves and asking you to pre order them is weird. Let's not do that again.
2: Right. <laughs> All right. Me in. Wipe me <laughs> off.
3: Into some other 380 size helicopter news. Uh, OMP Hobby have released an update to the M4 manual. You can find this in PDF form on the OMP Hobby website. So if you're about to start the build of an OMP M4, be sure and use the latest manual. Uh, no word on what this revision may have addressed. And uh, speaking of the M4, I saw both the M4 and the Goose Guy Venom at Dragonfly Funfly um, from some sponsored pilots uh, from both camps. Uh, they both appeared, at least from a spectator's point of view, to fly very, very well. Uh, still can't say I really like the OMP canopy design, but mechanically they both look like very nice helicopters uh, and definitely flew well in capable hands. Uh, Super X connectors have released some connector mounts for their entire D3 to D6 line. So these essentially allow you to clamp a connector down to any surface. So if, say you wanted to bolt the connector coming out of your ESC to the front of your ESC plate or similar. Just come in kind of a bit of a trend. It certainly eases any wear and tear as you're making and breaking those connections constantly as you you know swap batteries out or whatever. Uh, they've released these uh, sort of bracket that holds the connector. Uh, so those are available uh, now. And they weren't done there. They've also released some new DE-254 multi-pin connectors. So these are mostly for the airplane side of the hobby, but they'd be used for any kind of multi-pin type connection. So, you know, in the sailplane world, we use them on the wing so that we can literally, like, mate with one connection, three servos in each wing um, to your receiver. Uh, Maybe some Mm -hmm. scale helicopter guys might use this, but just another nice multi-pin connector. Uh, it's got 12 individual uh, you know, solder points, so it's a 12-pin connection, which you can use for whatever you want. Scale helicopter lights as you're joining sections together or whatnot, but uh, just another offering from Super X. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Boy, I'm just tripping all over my own words today. All right, news of the week. Let's get into that. And uh, our news of the week is also a little bit kind of about airplanes. So Kyle Stacy is going to be competing at the Nats, but not how you might think. He's been posting photos of a pattern airplane and looks to be entering the AMA airplane pattern aerobatics competition. Honestly, I say good for you, Kyle. We all have to dabble in different parts of the hobby to help keep our interest up. And uh, we certainly all wish you the best of luck with the uh, pattern Nats. Looking forward to see how he does. And uh, with that, that's all I got for news this week. All righty. Nice news! I got my
1: fix. That's perfect. You're good to go now. You're not shaking as much. Yeah, blood pressure's come down. I'm good. Yeah. All right, guys. So this week. Our topic is really not much of a topic, it's more of a report, and uh, we're going to talk about Dragonfly Funfly and Nick, you know, Scott kind of was supposed to be here, blah, 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 I don't know, something like that, I don't know, some weirdness happened there, I don't know what he's doing, but anyway, he's not here, so Nick's going to have to fill us in, tell us about the Funfly and um, some exciting news, because You experienced a new side of the RC hobby this weekend.
3: I sure did. Tell us all about it. Frickin' awesome. All right, so I want to kind of touch on what Rob was talking about earlier about campers and fun flies. So choice I made for Dragonfly. So I've been to Dragonfly, I think, three times now, uh, and I always camp on the field. And weather-wise, it's it's not bad. It's usually like 65 at night and then anywhere from 70 to 80 degrees during the day. So it's not terrible to camp at, at all. Uh but honestly, I was just like, I'm not, I'm not feeling camping this time. Uh and I was talking with Sean Hall, who also went down, and we were trying to get more guys from Atlanta to go. But uh and we said, let's uh let's look at rvshare.com, which is like Airbnb, but for campers. And we managed to find some and basically arranged to have uh a couple of campers delivered Wednesday at noon. So the fun fly really is kind of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and a little bit of Sunday morning. But uh talked to John Titus, who is the event organizer over at the Rams Club in East Bend, North Carolina, who's awesome. And he's like, yeah, that's no problem. You can come Wednesday. Um, so it's about a six-hour drive from here, a little less. So left early Wednesday morning. Uh, got there just before noon. The campers were delivered right at noon. And Damn. That is the way to do a fun fly. Is all I gotta say. <laughs>
1: yeah, nice was yeah. it?
3: Oh my god, it was nice. I mean, just having your own bathroom is nice. Having a little place to shower quickly is nice. Uh, having an air conditioned space to like just get out of the heat for a little bit, kind of you know go in, make lunch, have a refrigerator there, a little stove, and all that. Uh, right. Which you certainly don't have to use if you want to just. There's a great sort of kitchen built into the the club there um where they cook three meals a day so you don't need it at uh, dragonfly but it's nice to have um and it was it was awesome i highly highly recommend and they literally deliver set up the whole thing provide the generator if you want to uh and that's it you just kind of all of a sudden have a home right there at the funfly
1: yeah that's exciting i'm I'm really looking forward to taking our trailer to some funflies that's going to be awesome
3: yeah, I've always kind of looked at everyone else doing that. Went, man, that'd be nice. It's not inexpensive at all, right? Um, a lot of people kind of asked, so you know, I'll talk about it a little bit here. But cost wise, for a week long fun fly, for arriving on Wednesday, leaving on Sunday, including the generator, delivery fees, cleanup fees, uh, dump fees, because you know they charge you if you use the waste yep. tanks, etc. You know, there's a lot of little fees that add up, and all in the rental of this thing for what Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that's five days uh is a thousand dollars so if you go man 200 bucks a night i mean honestly if you can compare that to a hotel i think you're going to find most hotels are 125 to 150 bucks a night once you add tax and everything else into your bill yeah yeah. uh so is it a little more to go the camper route yes but you're on the field you roll out of your camper in the morning you can do a a rooster pull if you want you can go take a nap and then go watch night flying you can do whatever you you want you can do a what? Oh, rooster pole. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> We've had this conversation. An early morning flight.
1: Oh, that's that new douchebag speak, right? That's oh, what that yes. is. That's what that is. Oh, yeah, I know what you're it's talking that, about. No, it's that newfangled fa- new heli speak there, Dan. So me. let me ask you this. Now, did you did you go solo? or Because, I mean, if you get like three or four dudes in there, you could really say, I mean, that's not much at all. Right? I or went you solo, just, yeah. If yeah. yeah. okay, you share,
3: so. like even if you share with one other person, you know, and you split it, it really becomes very reasonable.
1: Uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's not too, no. It's not so bad. But, but, you know, it's crowded. Don't get me wrong. And being, you know, being able to do, you know, do that solo. It, it, I mean, I'm sure you enjoyed the shit out of that because you got your own space, right? Yeah. Yeah, and honestly,
3: nice. like that's how I'm used to traveling for business—is having my own room. So right. sharing would be really weird for me, just because I right. just never do that. So I don't know. I like having my own private space. And honestly, like not to get into this as a whole other topic, but like some of these events where there's lots of new people and you're meeting things, like I have social anxiety to an extent. So having a private space to like retreat back sure. to, yeah, to same like, dude. Kind of relax yeah. away from that is kind of awesome. So yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Ah. Uh, and I had my dog with me. Um, we got two dogs here at home, but uh, we split them up because my wife took the kids summer. Anyway, long story, but I had my sort of older dog with me, which was awesome that she had an air conditioned space. She could like go chill out when it got hot. Um, so that just worked out great. Anyway, I don't want to like. You I know, keep I, I going know you on don't want
1: to go on about it, but I do have another question. Yeah, what you got? So they supplied a generator for you. All uh-huh. right. Did they also bring you, or did you? Oh, you brought your own vehicle, so you did. They bring you a gas can, or did you have to bring your own gas can? And was that like a hassle to, or did you bring a big one? I mean, I'm assuming they gave you like a 3,500 watt generator or bigger, right?
3: Yeah, 3,500 watt generator. They left a five gallon gas can. Oh, okay, I had cool. a five gallon and a two and a half gallon I brought with me. Yeah, you had. Um, thinking that I would use my own generator for charging batteries and stuff. In the end, I used the one generator for everything. Just ran an right. extension cord down the length of the camper. Sure. Um, and over the course of Wednesday through Sunday at noon, I ran the generator the entire time, and w- I had to go get gas once.
1: Nice. That's awesome.
3: And there's a gas station 10 minutes down the road from the fun fly, so <laughs> yeah. super easy. I went
1: Perfect. a little overboard. I, b- I bought a 5,500-watt 5, generator for my trailer.
3: Nice. <laughs> 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 well, that's awesome. That means you can run a soldering iron, the AC at full blast, and charge batteries.
1: Yeah, she can run the AC and she can do whatever she wants in there and be comfortable while she's at a fun fly instead of... She's a trooper. I'm not saying she's... Ever, she never complained. But you you know, like when you go to a fun fly and it's on the East Coast out here and it's sticky and humid and hot. Yeah. She never complained. She's going to be able to enjoy it a lot better where she has, you know, more comforts of home, a shower, a bathroom air conditioning anyway anyway looking forward to it (laughs)
3: Uh, so Wednesday for us was really kind of a setup day so we get there get the campers like they deliver and they give you the whole tour show you how everything works and then you spend like an hour getting all the crap out of your car organized in the camper and it's nice so the campers are set up with like a queen size bed at one end and then four like bunk beds at the other and Mm -hmm. they're really bunk beds slash helicopter storage uh, cubbies Right. Um, so you get all your shit in the in the camper and that takes a minute and then uh got our tents set up, which were literally right at the end so the camper's back up right to the flight line, and then you just put your ten by ten, you know, canopy right at the tail of your camper, and then you're sure. good to go. Um, so I kinda got all that set up, and then we went into town to like get groceries and, and go have lunch and stuff. And then came back, got uh, a couple of flights in. The weather on Wednesday was iffy. It kinda rained and spit and drizzled the whole way there, and then uh, we had a little bit of a window Wednesday afternoon. So got a couple of flights in each. Uh, it was pretty breezy. It was like 15 mile an hour and super gray and overcast. Um, but really our mission on that day was just to get there. Uh, so got a couple of flights in and then it started to rain and kind of went inside and I'm like, all right, it's like five o'clock, six o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, the only other person that showed up that early was, uh, John Elrod, uh, came in kind of later that night. Um, so it was just Sean and I at the field for a long time and I broke out the nitro kit. So I took the little kitchenette table thing there, I put a build mat on it, set up all my tools and was like, I'm going to start the nitro. And, nice, I, and I was dude. thinking, I was like, if it rains a lot, I'm going to finish the build. If it doesn't rain a lot and I bring it home half built, that's fine. I was like, I don't want to be that guy that like hides in the camper and builds during a fun fly. Um, So I started on it that night and in the end, by the end of like Wednesday night, I had the upper frames done, the servos installed, uh, the rotor head, the swash, the links, all that stuff kind of done. And uh, I don't know, somewhere around 11 o'clock, midnight, I was like, all right, that's enough. And for one day, I'm going to go to bed. So uh, crashed out Wednesday night, feeling very comfortable in an air conditioned camper, uh, listening to the rain on the roof of the camper, which was super relaxing. Um, it's obviously crazy quiet out at the Rams field, which let me tell you. So for those of you who haven't been to the Rams facility, uh, in North Carolina, it is on farmland. So you kind of go down this winding gravel road down past the farmer's house and keep going. And then right about the time you're like, I must be going the wrong way. Like, where the hell am I going? You kind of go around this corner and then you pop out around these trees and you just see this like massive expanse of farmland. And then you're like, what the hell is that? And there's like a putting green grass runway, nice. Um, and the runway has to be I don't know, 500 feet wide and 100 feet deep at least of like putting green grass. Like they literally roll yeah. the grass uh, every spring right before their big Warbird event that the club does. Um, Dude, that's awesome. And like you can do sliding autos galore if, if that's your thing on this on this grass. It's uh. It's fantastic for autos. It's super forgiving. Obviously, for helicopters, it's no big deal for us. But uh, it is a beautiful field. And then behind the runway is farmland. And there's literally nothing taller than, like, I don't know, two feet beyond the runway. Like, you can fly as deep as you want. Like, you will lose sight of the helicopter before you hit a tree. Like, a 700 will be a dot before you hit anything. Um, So, you know. If in the early days of the fun flying when there's really only one or two, you know, flight stations going before everybody shows up or if you get a quiet moment, you can fly as wide as you want. Like, it's nuts. Um, just a beautiful facility. And they have a nice sort of covered shelter. They've got a big generator in a shed that powers, you know, numerous separate 20 amp outlets under the shed. So you can have, you know, 10 or 12 guys charging, uh, you know, stick packs at the same time without any issue. Um there you know it's just port johns on site they have their own actually they just upgraded and redid it they have their own kind of kitchen shed there as well so the club cooks uh you know breakfast lunch and dinner right there on site for you if you want uh and does a great pilots dinner on saturday night usually uh so just a just a great facility other than that it's just a big wide expanse of grass plenty of room for campers trailers tent camping you know whatever your thing is um plenty of that to be had so beautiful facility uh So, Thursday, Uh, wake up Thursday morning. Uh, Some more folks showed up. And it's funny how, like, you go to a fun fly. This is only the Monday after, and I'm trying to remember what happened on each day. And, like, it's a blur, and I'm struggling a little bit. So, if you're at the fun (laughs) fly and you're like, hey, that was really Friday, like, sorry, I'm doing my best. But uh, (laughs) it's all kind of just a blur of awesome right now. Um, So, more folks start to show up on Thursday. Uh, Cliff Lewis came in, several others on Thursday. Uh, there were definitely some brief spots of rain on Thursday, but overall it was just a great day. So we flew a bunch on Thursday. Um, if there was a quick spot of rain, I would just go back in the trailer and work on the nitro. Um, I think I went in at lunch and ate something and worked on the nitro a little bit and then came back over. Uh, I was out chatting as with folks as they arrived on Thursday. So Thursday was just kind of a, like, it was a super gray and overcast. So by the way, I flew mostly my raw five eighty on Thursday because it's in that orange and white scheme which is the best scheme for overcast days. Um, yeah. it just like, I wouldn't even fly my white raw or my black and white Puma, like I, those would just disappear in the gray. So uh, the 580 was, was badass for that. So nice. flew that all day on Thursday. I think I got six or eight flights in on Thursday. Um, and then in between that, I was either chatting or working on the Nitro occasionally. Um, and then Thursday night as it got dark, Uh, Sean came over and we kind of tag teamed the build. So he built the whole tail assembly and boom, uh, while I worked on getting the helicopter basically on skids. So by Thursday night, I had the whole upper and lower frames done. It's on skids. I had the, you know, the boom clamps and the whole back end of the helicopter finished up ready to accept the tail and started working on, uh, the engine as well, getting the, you know, engine and the engine mounts and, uh, I think, I can't remember if on Thursday. So Kenny Hutton, who was with us uh, last week on the Nitro episode, uh, shows up at some point. I think Thursday, I want to say. If not, it was Friday morning. And he's right next to me on the flight line. And he was also in and out of the camper as well, giving me awesome help and advice, which was great. Because Kenny was, you know, super helpful during the episode last week. And then to have him there on the build, and he's literally there (laughs) a moment, Kenny's like, well, remember when I told you last week saying, yada, you yada, yada. Dumbass
1: like, last week when I said no, this?
3: There was, there was no dumbass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was just, man, what a helpful dude. Um, That's cool, man. I'd not met him before, but he is an encyclopedia of just knowledge of all things helicopter, uh, certainly Nitro, and was hugely helpful. Uh, which actually, just as a sidebar note, as far as Nitro goes, people are always helpful in our hobby but there is something about nitro that is like a a light to a moth like so many people came over and offered help or inspection or hey it looks like this might be you know yada yada you might want to change that uh, and here's why like uh, anytime i was working on it or anybody dropped by i just got tons of great help and information so that was that was awesome um but so that was kind of Thursday, so just a great day of flying. And you know, by the end of Thursday night, I was like, "Huh, I got the boom ready to to add." Like, I'm I'm feeling like this thing might maiden here at Dragonfly, and I start you know kind of yeah. finding out when Tom Shin arrives because he, had, you know, I had talked with him about helping with the maiden, and he was coming in Saturday morning, and I'm like, "I don't know, the stars might be aligning on this thing. We'll see." And I'm like, "I'm not going to commit. Like, we'll see." So uh, Friday morning, I woke up. Friday was beautiful weather, like picture-perfect funfly weather. 75 degrees, light winds, you know, uh, little bluish spots in the sky, like, you know, partly cloudy, not too much sun, not too hot. It was it was perfect. Uh, so a lot more folks started showing up on Friday. And like I said, I've been coming to this funfly for four years, so I've gotten to know more and more people every year. Um, so it's been awesome to sort of feel like a, home field fun flying away for me uh, as I get to know more folks. So that was great. Um, Got lots of flying done on Friday as well. Uh, Mostly the raw 580 and the logo 700, which I also have in kind of an orange and white scheme because it was a little bit gray at times. So super visible. Um, Man, that logo was flying so damn good. Uh, Mm, I'm not going to lie. I brought the logo with this secret plan of like tempting Scott to buy it. Um, which I don't think would have been that hard to twist his arm a little. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although in talking to him, it sounds like he might have eyes on another one or have a plan. I'm not sure something's up. Uh, but I just fell in love with that thing. It, there's something about that Logo 700 and how it flies big, which we talked about last week, in a giant field, and it's just super fun. Um, so flew a lot on Friday. I popped into the trailer at lunchtime and I finished the final assembly of the Nitro. So I added the boom. Got the engine all mounted in there. Uh, Sean and Kenny popped back in. We got the tank in there. You know, they just made sure I got all the plumbing done correctly. And then by Friday at like dinner time, it was basically ready for just wiring, and then it would be ready for Saturday. Morning. So nice, um, dude. That's a lot of good
2: progress sitting there in the RV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you up, know. Dude.
3: It was helpful. I had other hands in there as well, kind of, you know, taking care of some sub-assemblies and stuff and helping out. Like I said, Sean was hugely helpful. Uh there were no points where I sort of got stuck and had to go back because Kenny and Sean were there all the time to kind of answer questions. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then Friday became the dilemma of like having tons of fun and meeting new people and wanting to like be outside and inside and, you know, that battle. So I ended up staying up way too late on Friday. Uh... <laughs> Because I wanted this thing to fly Saturday. So I got all the wiring (laughs) done Friday night in the trailer. Uh, Scott actually came over Friday night. Uh, I was messaging him because I I had never set up a Nitro in the Neo. I learned a few things actually about setting up a Nitro in the Neo. And I have a Neo Evo on the Nitro. Um, Number one, I learned that to enable Nitro Governor in the Neo, you have to buy Pro. Uh, You can't have a Nitro Governor in the Express. And I usually do buy Pro, but I just happened to have not when I bought that Neo. Uh, as part of the pre order. So I had to, you know, buy Pro, which sounds easy until you're at a field in the middle of North Carolina <laughs> and you don't have reliable cell service necessarily uh, <laughs> perfectly. And you're trying to like link your radio to your phone to download the Pro update. Anyway, that was a whole rodeo in itself. But got that done. Scott came over and just, you know, helped me figure out, you know, just where some of those settings are to set your initial idle and, you know, the full throw of. of Servo uh the throttle servo and whatnot. So helped me get all that figured out, which is great. So thanks Scott for that. Um, but at this point, the helicopter is like it's Friday night. Everything works. You know, I've got the the glow driver on there, uh, the X-Guard glow, which we'll talk about that in a minute. And you know, everything on there is is working and just none of it's cleaned up. And then somewhere around midnight on Friday, I was like, I gotta go to bed. Like, I'm gonna finish this in the morning. It's a mistake to try and clean up wiring right now.
2: Be dozing um, offline the next day. <laughs> yeah.
3: But met a lot of folks Friday. Uh, God, I'm not even going to try and remember names for, for everybody. But, uh, you know, John Ireland and Tony, it was great to meet y'all. Um, lots of folks came over and said nice things about the podcast, which was great. Definitely want to thank all of you that came by. I had some RCHN stickers. I was handing yeah. out to everybody who was uh, stopped by to say something nice. So that was awesome. Um it was fun when folks said, how's that nitro coming to go? It's in the trailer and it's probably going to fly tomorrow <laughs> instead of, <laughs> I still haven't started it. Um, which is what I've been saying for two months. <laughs> um, uh, I met, uh, Andy Ross of Freefall RC podcast. Uh, he came to the fun fly as well. Andy is, you know, one of those people I've chatted with online or message, but had never met in person. So that was cool to meet, uh, Andy had a nice chat with him about podcast life. Um, and just generally had a, a great time on Friday, mix of building and flying and uh, beautiful, beautiful weather, great food. Um, I don't know, not much more I can say about that than it was just awesome. Dude, that
2: sounds uh, awesome. So yeah, you yeah. got, okay, so you made in this thing then, yeah?
3: I did. Did You did? I did. Mm. That's, uh, that's that what meant. Saturday, Saturday was Nitro Day. Um,
1: Nitro's so, in your blood now, man.
3: <laughs> well, we'll see. I'll tell you the whole saga, and then you can tell me. Um, yeah,
1: it's there. It's there. I so,
3: <laughs> woke up Saturday morning early, like a kid on Christmas, excited, knowing that the, the nitro was going to happen. Uh, it was beautiful weather, like made a cup of coffee, took the dog out for a quick walk. And it's like, come on, dog, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, gotta go finish the build. <laughs> um, Got back in, cleaned up all the wiring, threw some, you know, gas in the tank, so the clunk could kind of start soaking. Um.
1: Did the, the final tank? huh what did you throw in the tank?
3: I guess not gas, nitro, yeah. sorry,
1: uh-huh.
3: fuel, uh-huh. whatever. Uh I'm not see, I'm not a nitro snob yet, so that that uh-huh. takes some time. <laughs> uh,
1: I give you a couple weeks. It comes a couple of time. <laughs>
3: Uh so I cleaned up all the wiring, you know, routed things a little neater, uh, had everyone's words, you know, Devin's, Scott's, Kenny's, uh, everybody throughout these Nitro episodes here, words in my head about, you know, rubbing and heat and the engine and, you know, trying to make sure all the wires were uh, neat and not going to rub on anything. And I'm like gluing fuel tubing to some parts of the frame where fuel tubing was kind of crossing frame edges and stuff. All those final details done. And then I got the pitch setup done and uh, I was I was good to go. And, you know, Kenny Hutton went through all the throttle set with me again. We made another couple more tweaks there, uh, and then everybody was like, when are, "When are you gonna fly it? When are you gonna fly it? When are you gonna fly it?" And I was like, "We wait for Tom Shin." And they're like, "Come on, let's do it now!" And I'm like, "We wait for Tom Shin." Um, <laughs> um, Tom is the man, Tom. and nobody is gonna tune that engine but him when he gets there. And, uh, I just had it sitting on my table, full of full of uh, nitro, ready to go. And then uh, Tom Shin showed up around 11 a.m. on Saturday. He man, like he was on some family vacation or something, and then left. Had like some epic drive back from family vacation on Friday, and then Saturday morning woke up at the crack of dawn and drove five and a half hours from Atlanta uh to the fun fly. Which is that's, uh,
2: that's some He-Man shit.
3: Yeah. But you know, Tom's like me. He's been to this event a bunch of times, always enjoys it, loves the people that show up there. So he wanted to make it there for a day. So um so Tom shows up. We do our little trade. I actually traded him the three blade head I had on the RAW uh for a 3D printer. So he handed me that. I gave him the three blade head um he ran around flew said hi to a bunch of people and then came back and was like right let's do it so uh, we headed out to the flight line and i'm expecting like this process where it takes a while to start for the first time and you're kind of fucking around and you know i thought it was going to take a lot longer but literally put it on the ground put the starter in and everyone's kind of walking me through here's where you want to be here's where your hand goes you know kind of the safety checks around starting a nitro and then blip starts right up instantly um, nice which i was so like Fuck yeah be- before
1: you go on let me ask you a question when it started what did you learn at that moment in time what did you learn right when it came to life
3: did i learn when it came to life i mean i was fucking excited when smoke came out of that you part. learned yeah
1: i'll tell you what you learned you learned that nitro has soul <laughs> that's what you learned. Okay.
3: I feel like I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yep. As far as seeing that light. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. So starts up, we carry it out. And I had also had Kenny, because I always do this with all new models, check over all the control throws and directions as well. And all that have been blessed. So it goes to spool up and it starts pirouetting as we, you know, bring up in normal mode the the throttle stick. And Tom's like, what the fuck? He's Ooh. like, your control directions are, are wrong. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, I looked at it. Kenny looked at it. Sean looked at it. There's no way. So we look at the directions and the tail's correct. And then we all start laughing when Tom goes, your fucking tail belt's on wrong.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> oh my going God. the other way.
3: <laughs> uh, so what happens when you build a helicopter in your trailer at midnight is that you miss mm. stupid shit. So
2: <laughs> the, um, Twist but, the other way. The other 90, Nick.
3: So in the raw nitro, there's this bearing block under all the pulleys. There's a lot of shit there once the tank and pipe is on. So it's kind of a pain in the ass to get to the belt from the, you know, the inside the main uh, frame. So we were like, fuck it, let's take the tail off. So I run pretty loose belt tension. So we basically like pushed out the tail shaft with a driver so we could maintain the tension. And then have like three sets of hands on the tail. And basically, like, pulled off the tail pulley, twisted it around, shoved it back in, and managed to get it on without taking the thing apart or changing the belt tension.
1: Wow. (laughs) Nice. Determination right there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We were
3: all excited to get this thing in the air and had lots of smart people. So, literally, it took us, I don't know, three minutes to make that change and get it back out to the flight line. So, it starts right back up again. I let Tom just do the whole maiden because I figured he would want to sort of have some... Feel input as he initially tuned the engine. At least, so he flew the whole uh, maiden flight, which went perfectly fine. Everything was great. He sort of put it up in the air. Everything was working fine. Landed. Put an initial tune on it. Flew it around for a bit. Made one more tweak, and then said, "Right, I want you to go fly this five or six times, and then uh, maybe we'll do one final tweak before you leave the fun fly on the tune. But we're going to leave it kind of rich for a while and just you know take it easy and break it." I was like, "Awesome, thank you, Tom." Uh, went and sat down for a bit. Let the like. Maiden flight shakes kind of wear mm-hmm. off, and was like, <laughs> yeah. "All right, let's go fly." Uh, this is where I learned the other awesome thing about Nitro, and part of it is because everybody knows I'm I'm a beginner at Nitro, but part of it just seems to happen, which is if you pick up a Nitro helicopter and walk towards the flight line, somebody else on the flight line will walk out and stand next to you immediately. Like nobody yeah. lets a yeah. Nitro person fly by themselves. It seems like, and this fun fly is pretty chill. And when, when there aren't tons of people there, like we're not super strict on having spotters or whatever. So, you know, anyway, it's just awesome that like other people excited about nitro would just follow you out to the flight line, uh, and make sure you were okay. Um, so I think on the second flight, I think Kenny might've come with me. If not, it was, uh, John Elrod, um, which want to throw a huge shout out to, to John Elrod. I know I kind of did one to Kenny already, but John L. Rod has this trailer full of every possible tool and accessory you can ever imagine. And at several times, uh, bailed me out with some cool little tool I didn't have or a swash leveler or other things I had forgotten to bring because I'm building a helicopter to fun fly. So thank you, uh, John, for all of that. Anyway, go out for the second flight. Oh, I should back up a little bit. On the first flight, there were a couple of bobbles um, initially that all seemed to be head gain related. So the head gain stock on the Evo is 75. And by the end of the maiden, we were down to 35. And it was behaving um, oh. much better. Yeah. not bobbling so much. Um, and some of it, you know, the engine's extra rich, so there's some extra vibrations going on. Um, but it was it was weird, and so we tuned, you know, that out initially for the most part. All right, so second flight, get it up, uh, and just kind of took it easy, because, again, it's my first time flying Nitro, so mostly just did circuits, figure eights, maybe a, a flip or a tumble or two, um, and kind of took it easy. Uh you know that flight went fine. Uh, you know nothing going on there. Still a couple more bobbles going on, uh, and then the bobbles kind of got weird as I started getting more comfortable with it and kind of starting to fly a little bit of my usual. And I didn't like the bobbles at all. They were invasive and concerning at this point. And I'm going, huh? So on the raw, you have your choice of two flybarless mounts. So it's a metal plate in both options, and it either sits on these four rubber dampers. Um, which dampens the mount a little bit, or you rigid mount it with these four little brass uh I don't know what you'd call them, ferals, I guess. Um And I talked to Scott about it in our group chat on the podcast, and you know, we both sort of thought that because it's the Evo, which is extra susceptible to vibrations, that we should start with the dampened mount. Uh in the end, I think that was just a a wrong starting place. You know, we both thought it was. His logic made perfect sense to me. Um so after that second flight and the weird bobbles, and I was struggling to get them out, I was like, I'm going to change the flybrower's plate. So uh, that ended up being not too bad. Uh, I did need, because these rubber dampers tend to tear apart as you try and unscrew them, uh, this special pair of pliers I got to order from John Elrod that like grip this tiny sliver of metal and let you unscrew it, which was amazing. So um, I got I to gotta message him and get the name of him again because I've forgotten it already and I need to order a set. Anyway. So second flight, more bobbles, but flying, you know, the nitro part of it's flying fine. Change out the fly route Okay. Go to flight three at this point. Um, I think Kenny came out to me with the flight line at this point. Starts right up, no problem. <clears throat> um, Kenny at this time also spent a lot of time, again, going through all the checks, talking to me about how hot, how hot starts happen. You know, here's where you put your hands. Here's what you do in the event of, you know, a, a runaway. Uh, you know, a hot start kind of just gave me... uh a great sort of, you know, check these things. Make sure you look at the servo arm. Make sure the carb is, you know, is is closed. All this stuff. Um, which was cool. So, get it up in the air. And this was the first flight I had on it where it wasn't really bobbling so much. Still a couple of weird inconsistencies, but it was really, like, starting to fly, like, the Nitro experience I was expecting. And kind of did my full-on usual flight. Um... You know, which I fly a very soft, smooth, lower head speed style. So my head speeds on the Nitro were 1,700 and 1,900. I flew most of this flight at 1,700, which actually had a lot less bubbles than 1,900 uh, on the initial tune. And man, I just had a blast. It was just... I, I discovered that my style of lower head speed has apparently given me collective management because I didn't really bog the engine at all. Um, maybe once or twice I could hear it a little bit, but... We just nice. bonded. Like this was the flight I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> I see. Uh, and I you're just it. the smoke trail, the sound, the rush, the nervousness of knowing that like it's a new engine and it could quit at any time. Like it was just badass. And I was, I was happy as a clam. So finish the flight. You're like learning how to do that hover check. So you just bring it in, put it in a hover, check the level of the tank. All right, cool. I get to play some more. Take it back out and then screw around and bring it into land and had a huge freaking smile on my face. Um, just (laughs) loving it. That, that was like, this is when the helicopter and I bonded, uh, was that flight. Um,
2: and then I I gotta say, I love hearing this whole progression, Nick over the, uh, the many episodes that we've done together here, because it's, it's like, you've gone from one whole side of it to the whole, uh, almost to the whole other side of it, you know? And it's really, it's really, I think, really cool to see because I know there's a lot of folks out there that probably are apprehensive about nitro, myself included, you know. Uh, but to watch you go through it and have it actually out, come, turn out successful, you know, you covered all your
3: bases, dude. It's it's great to watch. Uh ah, thank you. It was it was super fun, and you know, I never really said I would never fly nitro. I've always said that about Gassers, but uh, you know, it was something I sort of decided I should I should just open a matter of time, up, dude. dude. I don't think so
1: just a um, matter of time,
3: we'll see uh, so I had this flight right, so now i'm jazzed i'm I'm hooked i'm like I'm like I'm gonna put all my other helicopters away. this is all I'm gonna fly for the rest of the fun flight is this this Nitro, and I'm gonna get as many flights as I can on it uh, so chill out for a little bit, go up to fly again this time I take it out by myself, kind of go down to the far end of the flight line, uh, I'm like, all right, here's where we bond and put it up, and something's off it's it's like making a sound that's different, and I don't have a very good nitro vocabulary. I just knew something was wrong. And other people did too, because Sean and Marcus Kim start walking up behind me to go, hey, I think your pipe's loose. Uh, And that's what that sound is, and that's why it's starting to lean out a little bit. Like, you should land. And right about the time they said it, it's 50 feet in the air, the engine quits. And I'm like, oh, oh shit, here oh. we go. So, <laughs> throw in the negative collective. Like I said, huge putting green grass runway. and uh, So... Keep it negative, negative, negative. I'm like, flare, 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 flare. flare. Boom, auto it down safely. I'm like, fuck yeah. First nitro (laughs) engine quit, auto, successful. Um, So we go and grab some Allen wrenches and tighten the crap out of the pipe and then uh, throw it up again. And it sounds a little better, but not really. And then shortly after it quits again, I think I'm remembering this correctly. Auto it down again, successfully again. Hell yeah. I'm like, okay, what's wrong? uh stare at it for a little bit it spit out the glow plug um oh so we're like huh so and i have the nick maxwell head which has two glow plugs in it so one of them it spits out so that's why that died so i'm like all right back to the bench um trying to figure that out so replace the glow actually no that was when we thought the glow plug went bad but it had started to back out so replace that glow plug tighten it really well um and apparently this is a thing I'm hearing on first first and you know new engines can sometimes just kill a glow plug in the first 5-6 flights. It's not uncommon right. to have to replace it. Yep. So, replace the glow plug, go to take it up again, and this time I'm on the other end of the flight line and it starts out flying pretty good and although some really weird further bobbles on this flight, which I think to some extent are related to the fact that the engine wasn't running as well because I was having this problem with glow plugs backing out and that was causing some additional vibrations which the Evo didn't like and it was re- re- reacting to very negatively in ways that were unpredictable. Like in my normal mode where I would take off it would like jump up two feet as I was transitioning in banks which it hadn't been doing all day. So there were some weird reactions in the Evo even after changing the flybarless mount that were making me a little uncomfortable. Nothing dangerous but it was just weird and I didn't like it. Anyway, Start to fly that one around a little bit, and then boom, engine quits again. Auto it down successfully. Again, little kangaroo hop at the bottom of this one, not quite as clean, but still counts, still upright with no damage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it turns out the other glow plug has been spit out. I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is getting annoying. And the fan shroud in the raw nitro is obviously only meant for a helicopter with one glow plug. So it's not easy to get to the second glow plug, which is the one that got spit out this time. And it actually, it was kind of funny. So I landed, and then Jay Treadway and some of the RCHO crew came up, and they reach in and spin the fan. They're like, oh, shit, dude, you popped the motor. There's no compression. I so scared the shit out of me thinking I popped the motor, and then we realized it's actually the glow plug had fallen out again. Uh, only a different one this time, which you can't really see very well at close inspection. Uh, so figure that out. I'm like, all right. How do I fly this thing for the rest of the fun fly? And I'm like, I got it. I'm going to take some side cutters. I'm going to semi-destroy the front of the fan shroud so I could get to the second glow plug. Normally you would Dremel out a nice clean hole to access it, but I'm like, I don't have a Dremel, but I have side cutters. So cut a little access hole in the fan shroud, get the second glow plug replaced. I'm like, all right, we're back in business. Um, thought I could, you know, fly it again after that. And then I took it up on that last flight on the Nitro. And it was, uh, it was a little funny. It was bobbling more. It was not sounding right. And uh, I just decided at this point, like, all right, I'm chasing this too fast. I'm doing this at a fun fly. I had some more conversations with some of the Nitro gurus. And basically we decided like, okay, you need to go back to the stock head on the 105. Like get away from the Nick Maxwell head. You know, it's a great thing. But on your first Nitro, it's just another thing to involve yourself in that maybe you're not ready for. Um, so take that off, go back to the stock head and, uh, regroup. And at that point I decided like, okay, let's be done with the, with the nitro at the fun fly. We had an awesome nitro experience. This requires a little more wrenching than I want to do at a fun fly. Um, I also decided a few other things. Actually, I should back up. I missed a couple details here. I, I want to kind of redo the wiring around the engine. Um, for two reasons. One, I'll tell you in a minute. And the other is that some of it goes under the engine. Like, uh, which made perfect sense to me, but now in retrospect is a little inconvenient for working on the thing and a couple things. So, you know, it's like you learn things in the process and and now I want to go back and correct them. So I want to put the nitro on the bench, kind of correct these things, replace the head and then continue the journey. Uh, But the other thing I need to do is I need to remove the X-Guard glow driver uh, or glow, switch glow type thing, but the X-Guard version. Um, Because on the last flight... Uh, I'm standing there with Tom Shin and Kenny and I go to start it and then it's not starting and I see smoke and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, it's on fire. The X guards on fire.
0: Oh Oh my God.
3: And there's literally like little tiny flames right in the middle of the X guard sparks, flames, smoke. And I'm like, fuck, it's on fire. Uh, and me, being a dumbass, I'm literally just staring at the thing going, holy shit, it's on fire. And I'm like, what can I pry <laughs> the X-Guard off of the helicopter and tear it off with? And Tom's like, shut off the fucking glow! <laughs> Which hadn't occurred to me yet. So once <laughs> I killed power to it, the fire kind of self-extinguished. And then hmm. we started it with just a, a glow driver. Um, so, oh,
2: that's spooky. That's Yeah,
3: that's a brand new unit, too. So um, that was unfortunate. I'm not sure why it decided to self-destruct. But... <laughs> And so that was when I was like, literally, Tom was like, you know, I just use a regular glow driver. I don't bother with any switch glows or anything. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll try that route. So now that's the other reason I want to redo the wiring is I got to pull this burnt unit off and kill all that wiring, take it off of the helicopter altogether. So that was kind of the (laughs) the end of my, uh, nitro journey at the fun fly. Um, it was not the end of the fun fly. That was like Saturday at five o'clock or something. Um, but that was the end of the, the nitro phase for me which was uh awesome i you know it was funny a lot of people are like usually you don't have this much shit happen on the first day <laughs> but i don't care i had lots of if it had been me by myself scratching my head i would have been miserable but because there were so many helpful people there it it just made it fun um and i had plenty of other helicopters with me to fly so it it didn't dampen my mood at all it still was a was a great day uh,
2: Dude, it sounded like a good fun fly all around the whole time. A lot of people there. You had a lot of fun with that fucking Nitro. That's badass.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't know what the final pilot count was. Usually in past years, we've had around 70, 75 um, by the end of the thing. And I think we may have only had around 50 this year. Um, maybe a little more than that. Not sure. Um, definitely the rain or the thought of rain scared a few people away, even though it ended up being great weather. Yeah. And there was night. night flying, by the way, Friday night, which I didn't really watch much of. It was kind of light on Friday night. Much more night flying on Saturday night. And I know Scott was out there uh, destroying other people's helicopters. Yeah,
1: what, tell uh, us about that. What, what was whose <laughs> heli was that that he yeah. I saw the video?
3: Uh, I, you know, I was kind of in and out of that area on uh, Saturday night, so I think uh, I think he killed one of Britain's helicopters. So Britain okay. Tucker. Um Which was like a steam seven hundred or something wow. like that, maybe five fifty i 'm not sure what size it was uh six hundred or seven hundred I think um so that died, which that big, was really funny oh, i 'm sitting next to way. Tony <laughs> and John Ireland, and you know i 'm watching britain who 's very young, trying to like get his helicopter to Pirro and not drift and i 'm like he needs to level the swash uh and and check his tracking and He's still trying to tune it out and tune it out. And then finally, Scott, which Scott at a fun fly is very entertaining to watch because he'll say it himself. He's like, ooh, squirrel. And in this case, the squirrel was Britton Tucker taking the wrong <laughs> approach to getting his <laughs> helicopter. And he walks right over and is like, give me that. And then eyeballs the swash level and checks the tracking and throws it up and it purows much better, of course. And then not long later, it it died a horrible death when he said, <laughs> here, you fly it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Scott also put down an amazing flight on, I'm not sure whose helicopter it was, but it was a Protoss 700, I think. Um, Great flight on that, but landed and there's like sparks coming off of the ESC to motor connection. The gentleman had used one of those kind of like some kind of quick connection there. I don't know which unit, but whatever connector he had used between was not quite up to the challenge of Scott Graham throwing down. And it was like, you know, spark and smokes coming off those connectors. So I'm sure the helicopter's fine. It landed safely, but, uh, there were little sparks. People are like, ah, oh, there's sparks coming out of the helicopter. <laughs> uh and Scott's so got her it. all the way to the edge.
2: <laughs>
0: so that was
3: awesome. So Scott was throwing down at night. Uh, Lincoln was throwing down, doing some great nitro flights, which were very welcome because there were 10,000 billion mosquitoes around or just bugs around the nightlights. Um, who else was out there? Oh man, I'm forgetting all kinds of names, but, uh, Oh, Kerry Brooks showed up uh, Saturday, was it Saturday afternoon or Friday night? I think it was Friday night, Kerry Brooks uh, showed up, uh, one of the Team BK guys. And man, that dude has put in so much time into improving his flying. And he was like, you know, it was like watching Kyle Stacy with a different style. Like just that kind of yeah. great flying. Just, yeah. rever- you know, pirouetting funnels with reversals and... I really like the way Kerry changes his head speed mid maneuver. So he'll be hauling ass around and throw, throwing around some smack and shit, and then boom, mid maneuver, pop into a lower head speed and transition into something else. And uh, I don't know, he's just got a great style. He's really fun to watch. He's also just a tremendously nice guy, so kind of fun to chat with. So it's good to chat with Kerry briefly and uh, and watch him fly it was super entertaining. Um, so he was throwing down. I like, I think by Saturday, like getting up early to finish the nitro. You're going to make fun of me here, Dan, but I think I was in bed by like 1130. I fell apart. Uh, um, I
1: get it. It's a it long a week, day. man. <laughs>
3: yeah. It was a long week. I was tired. Uh, I had a very nice glass of wine. with <laughs> so John Ireland was funny. He's like, will you drink wine with me? You know, People are going to make fun of me if I drink wine here and I'm the only one. I'm like, hell yeah, I will. Um, of course you um, will.
0: <laughs> so of we had course a little you will.
3: On Saturday <laughs> night, out. so that was nice. Uh <laughs> And he and Tony down from Virginia were awesome, man. I hung out with them a, a a good bit here and there. Um and uh I don't know, just enjoyed watching some other night flying and then crashed. I could like vaguely hear people still flying at, I don't know, two or three AM or something. Yeah. And then, you know, Sunday morning was the usual like fly out a couple of packs and pack up the car and head out. But and that was uh that was kind of the the fun fly for me. Uh I will say to kind of circle back to the nitro that I feel like my next steps are redo the wiring, pull the X guard off. I want to replace the Evo with a standard Neo just as a troubleshooting measure. It's not me like giving up on the Evo, but I just want to see if those bobbles will go away if I go back to a standard Neo. So I'm actually still hunting one down. I was actually supposed to call Lamont today to try and grab one of his, but I uh, haven't yet. Um so I think I'm going to try a regular Neo just to see what difference that makes. Do you these want to buy one or are you just looking to borrow one? I mean, I would buy one. I'll use it.
1: I mean, I've got one. You're looking for one in a metal case. I've got one you can use. I'm going to need it back eventually, but not
3: anytime soon. Well, that's the thing. See, I'm lazy, right? So if it flies great on the Neo, I'm just going to leave it on the helicopter. I don't want to change <laughs> I, I it get out.
1: It. I guess. <laughs> so it. I'd get rather it.
3: buy one. And then if I fall in love with it, maybe I'll sell the Evo. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. um but uh so yeah so try neo uh put the regular stock head back on it just to eliminate that as a nitro noob and uh i think that's it but everything else was uh flying great. tail held great um i had a good time by the way helping out a few people at the fun fly just some you know little issues uh, some tuning stuff um which I don't know, I think this is the first fun fly that's really happened where I, you know, really meaningfully helped somebody out with tuning as I've learned a lot more and you get to the point where like, hey, I can be useful. Um, so that was super fun <laughs> as well. Instead of me scratching my head next to them like, oh, I don't know. Um, uh, so that was cool. Uh, yeah, man, just great. So John Titus, the guy who puts on that is just a tremendously nice guy. That the whole team around John at the FunFly, Howard and uh, the gentleman who does all the announcing whose name I suddenly can't remember, but <clears throat> just great guys over at Rams. Great FunFly. Highly yeah. recommend. Throw it on your calendar for next year. It's always around the same time in June. Great weather, great flying, great field and amazing people. Uh, just an awesome week. I did, by the way, hang out with Scott here and there in between. I think I actually spent more time with Scott's son than Scott, um, which was funny. <laughs> Uh, uh this little kid figured out that he could like grab my pinky and then he would walk me somewhere he wanted something so he would like throw his truck and then he grabbed my pinky and walked me out in the field and i would help him pick up his truck (laughs) hang out and so i chatted briefly with scott's wife and his son was adorable just that amazing age so Mm. um (laughs) it was super fun and he was a big fan of my dog so they were they were hanging out um but I saw a couple other highlights. Uh, Cliff Lewis, uh, also of Team BK, who's just an awesome dude. Um, and his daughter, Maddie, who's flying, is progressing really, really well. Every time I see her at Dragonfly Fly, she's doing better and better. Uh, but Cliff did this badass. He's flying a RAW 420. He and Eric Shue, who also showed up. It was great to see Eric Shue, uh, another kind of well-known uh, mm-hmm. guy in the flying scene in uh, the Carolinas. is just just a character. Just a great, fun guy. So it was great to see Eric. Uh but they were doing a tandem on raw 420s, and Cliff Lewis comes bucketing in, and I was like, "Is he gonna auto the 420?" I'm like, "What is he doing?" And then pulls off like a 30 foot long sliding auto on the raw 420 on the grass. So I was like, "Holy yeah, nice. that's badass!" <laughs> nice. But that took a lot of courage to come in that fast on a helicopter that small and then just slide it out. So that that was cool to watch. Um, I don't know. There's probably so many other highlights. I'm forgetting all kinds sure. of people and things, but just, I don't know. I probably sound like a broken record, but just, just great event left me feeling awesome about the hobby, about the people, just camaraderie, um, you know, just a great time.
1: Yeah, definitely sounds like one I'd like to get to next year. I, uh, I am not sure this year, the only one I've really got planned, I guess, is uh, up in Rochester. I'm going to that one up in New York. Other than that, I'll try to catch some odds and ends. Maybe the, what are they, what's that one they call down there in Virginia? Uh, the Moe Down in October, I believe it is.
3: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Yeah, I might try to hit that one up too.
3: But, That's uh, a good anyway. one, right here.
1: Sounds like you had a good time, man. And, um, I don't know, maybe next year. Maybe we can get Rob out to one of these. One yes, of these year.
3: yeah. I mean, right. that could be one to try and get us all to. Devin's usually there, uh, I think, at Dragonfly. Not always, but uh, obviously he's at work right now, so I missed that one. But Scott's usually there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I try. and It's the one that always fits best in my schedule, usually. So I try never to miss it. I haven't in the last four years. So,
1: yeah. It's one of the closest. I mean, uh, that's like the close one to you, though, right? I mean, it's it's not that close, but it's uh,
3: technically other than the closest. Yeah, is Heli X, which is like three and a half hours away. Okay. Whereas Dragonfly is like five and a half. Um right. that one's in South Carolina is Heli X. Um there's there's not currently a fun fly in Georgia, so there really aren't any local technically uh fun flies. Uh, right. although we're working on maybe trying to do something there. I don't know. There's a lot of talk right now. There's a lot of interest in putting something together in Georgia. So we'll see if it turns into action, but there's definitely a lot of people interested Does in the to pull it uh,
1: off. Does the weather, like, say, maybe a late fall, early winter fun fly work in Georgia? Does it get, I don't know, does it get cold?
3: Oh, it definitely gets cool here. We could do, a, so those were the two, actually, there were a few of us at the fun fly discussing this. Um, you know, John Elrod, myself, Sean Hall, we're, we're just kind of spitballing about it. Um, as just some of the people in the Georgia area have all been talking about this. And they're like, well, there's two seasons. We're definitely not doing it in peak summer. Because that's 95 degrees with crazy humidity and miserable. So it would either be like early spring where it's warm in Georgia and not warm everywhere else. Or fall where it's, you know, comfortable 70 degrees kind of weather. Um, But not cold, but maybe it's already started to cool off elsewhere.
1: Yeah, that'd be a fun trip.
3: Yeah, Yeah. that'd be perfect.
1: Yeah, Uh, early spring. I like
3: that. Yeah, we think we've solved the hard part, although I don't want to say anything out loud. The hard part for us has always been that not a lot of the fields around, at least the Atlanta area, have provisions for campers or overnight sure. parking, Right. even even that. So it would be a one-day event, which we don't want to do. So
1: Yeah, that'd be tough. It'd be tough to get people to come from very far away if it was only one day. But
3: Yeah, so still trying to find that perfect field with overnight <laughs> camping, RVs allowed, night flying, that kind of stuff. So working on it.
1: Right. Well, that's fantastic. I, uh, thanks for, for filling us in and, uh, definitely missed one, missed a good one. I, I hate, I hate it when that happens. It's like, yeah, I'll go maybe next year. And then you hear about it. You're like, God damn it. I really should have made that fun fly.
3: I mean, are there really any bad ones? I mean, I guess some are better than others. But.
1: Uh, yeah. Some are better than others. And I think you're right. I don't think there is such thing as a bad fun fly, but, um, it all depends. It, it depends upon uh, how many helis you crash. <laughs> Uh,
3: true and it doesn't matter <laughs> i brought all mine home in one pieces
1: there you go what? yeah there what you should go all righty guys well i think we're gonna wrap this one up but before we do let's do some emails uh nick if i wanted to get in touch with you how would i do that
3: uh you can hit me at nick wisdom at rchnv3.com or on facebook messenger at nick wisdom rc
1: if you want to get in touch with scott you can do that at scott at rchnv3.com he's also all over the facebook the facebook and uh devin as well on facebook and you can reach him at devin at rchnv3.com you can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com and uh please check out our webpage. page www.rchnv3.com and i don't think i can say rchnv3.com any more time anymore. <laughs> uh, said it enough I'm going to fuck it up. I keep saying it. Last but not least, Rob, I wanted to get in touch with you. How would I do that?
2: Well, um, the way you'd have to do that, I'm short on condiments. So I would need you to hijack a mayonnaise truck and uh, bring it to me. But on your way to my house, you need to stop at Devin's place because he's not there right now. And you need to poke a hole in the side of that thing and drive around in the street in front of his house until you draw the message you have for me on the road. Um, And then you got to hope nobody drives on it until he gets back, which might be tough. But anyway, then speed to my house so you don't run out of mayonnaise before I can put some on my cheeseburger. Um, And then when Devin gets back, he'll uh, maybe slip and fall in the mayonnaise, but he might read my message and get it to me. But if you don't want to go to all that trouble, uh, that might be quite the, quite the felony to steal the truck like that. Um, you could just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, you could hit me up on uh, Instagram at NextGenRC, um, Facebook at Next or NextGenRCFB, and uh, YouTube.com slash NextGenRC. Rob,
1: do you put mayonnaise on hamburgers?
2: Yeah, brother. You know it. it's the Hawaiian. You got to do that. A serpent turf, kind of, but with no fish.
1: I don't think this is going to work, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> I think we need you to know, rethink this pick. whole. We yeah. need to rethink this whole thing, Rob.
2: If it's any consolation, I hate sauerkraut. Does that count?
1: But that that's that's a plus.
2: Good. Okay. Good.
1: Yep. Alrighty. I'll, I'll think about it, Rob. But this whole mayonnaise on hamburgers thing, Not that. We'll have to reconsider things, but anyway, guys, be sure if you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. See you,
3: Dragonfly 2024. 2024. 2024. <laughs>